Praise God. Well, let's uh, pray. Let's just get ready for the Word tonight. Father, tonight we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that according to what You said, Your Word is life. That it's a light. And tonight we receive it. We pray tonight for revelation that comes from heaven. We thank You. We honor You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I hope you've had a good day. You know, everything is, is sometimes a matter of perspective. I heard a story one time of, of a guy who was, who was touring the Holy Lands, and, and so they went to a concert at, at the uh, Moskowitz uh, Auditorium. And it was a wonderful concert. And when it was over, uh, the guy went to the, the guide, and he says, he says, this is a wonderful place. Is, is it named after, after Heim uh, Moskowitz? And uh, the tour guide, the tour guide said, said, no, no, it's named after Sam Moskowitz. And he said, Sam Moskowitz? I don't know if I've ever heard of Sam Moskowitz. He said, oh yeah, Sam Moskowitz, the writer. The writer? He said, I'm not familiar with anything he's written. What did he write? And the tour guide said, a large check. <laughs> and so, and so it's, it's, kind of all, it's kind of all just a matter of perspective, see? You know, unfortunately, most Christians, their joy in life is determined by their circumstances. I mean, you can tell Christians if they had a good day, they're happy. If they had a bad day, they're just like the world. For the most part, they're sad as well. Most Christians, not most, maybe, well, maybe most, I don't know. I don't want to indict them all. But most of the time, Christians accept things as for the way they are. And, and God never intended us for, for us to accept things just the way they are. He expects us to look to Him, look to His Word, and call for the fulfillment of His Word in our lives. He anticipates us being people of faith. Here's, here's the way a lot of Christians are. They want life to be better. They want, they want things to be better around them. They know what the Bible has promised them. And they're like getting on an elevator... And they're on the first floor, and they want to go to the third floor, and they get on the elevator, and they push floor number one. And then they think, why, why is anything changing in my life? They push floor number one. And they push floor number one. You see, the Word of God is filled with promise after promise after promise. The Scripture says, every promise of God in Him, in Christ, is, is, is yes. And it is amen by us. What that says is, is that Jesus is saying yes to the promise. He wants us to say, so be it, because that's what amen means. He wants us to say, that's the, he, he says, that's the promise, yes, you can have it. Our job is to say amen to the promise. That's pushing floor number three where we want to go. Instead of pushing floor number one and saying, look at all the problems I have, look at my problems, look at my problems. We need to be people who are of the word. The scripture says this. In Romans 5, verse 2, it says, By whom, talking about Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's a pretty powerful statement. The Scripture says that we have access by faith into grace. Listen, there is so much grace that we can access but it comes by faith. And we'll talk about that as we go along tonight. By faith, we access the grace. 
Grace is God's favor. Faith is being sold out on something. The Scripture teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I like to say it this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. That's what changes us. That changes us. And then it goes on to say, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh experience and and worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, I guess by now, you realize I'm pretty sold out on the Word of God. I mean, I think it's the Word that is the answer. I I realized a long time ago that my opinion really doesn't matter. What did God say? That's what matters. We need to be sold out on what the Word says. Many people only know half verses, half truths, half traditions. And we try to make our lives succeed in Christ based on those things. One time my son went to Guatemala and he was gone for six months. He came back with an earring in his ear. I didn't like it. You know, this earring. I don't remember which ear it was in. It was in one of his ears. And so I decided that I was going to set him straight. So I went to the scripture and I was going to find the scriptures that said you can't have an earring. You know what I found? Half a verse. I found half a verse. Half a verse said he couldn't have an earring. So then I thought, well, okay, let me just finish my study. What about a tattoo? You know what I found? Half a verse. You know what the other half a verse said? Can't get a haircut. So I realized something wasn't gelling with what I liked. And I had to decide, do I, do, I, do I want what the Scripture says or do I want what I want? We have to make sure we understand what the Word of God says. That we become people of the Word. Sadly, we, 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 have, we grew up with traditions. And, and our families, we all grew up with different things in our lives. You know, when you grow, grow up North American heathen, you have a whole different perspective than people who grow up in church. We have to find out what does the Bible say. Real faith can only come from the Word of God. Not my religious tradition. If I were to preach a sermon tonight about how God is going to move all of your mountains, we could all get stirred up about God moving our mountains. Do you know the Bible doesn't say God's going to move any of your mountains? <laughs> Did you know that? The Scripture says that I speak to the mountain and it moves. If I believe what I say. And yet we have this religious tradition that we say, Oh God, please move my mountain." And God's saying, no, no, you're going to move that mountain. You're going to have to speak to it. You have to talk to it the way you're supposed to talk to it. See, we've got to take the Word and believe what it really says. I've discovered unless we take the Word and personalize it, it's not going to do us a lot of good. I don't hear sermons and decide that Tammy needs to change. Lord knows, she probably does. I hear sermons, I read the Word, and I find out how I need to be adjusted. How I need to change. A lot of people think the Word of God is too deep and too mysterious to understand. You know, who who knows what God means in the Bible? We do. The Bible is a love letter written by God. took Him 1,600 years to write the love letter to us so we can know how to live our lives. 
It's not so deep and so mysterious. I heard about a four-year-old boy. He was eating an apple in the back seat of his car. And he, asked, he asked his dad, he said, Daddy, why is my apple turning brown? And the dad says, because after you ate the skin off, the meat of the apple came into contact with the air, which caused it to oxidize, thus changing the molecular structure and turning it into a different color. There was a long silence. Then the son asked softly to his dad, he said, Daddy, are you still talking to me? <laughs> you see, a lot of times we think the word is too deep for us, but it's not too deep for us. Now I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 4. I love what it says. By whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We stand in God's grace by faith. We've covered this a little bit over the last few weeks. We stand in God's grace by faith. Remember, we talked that faith isn't getting God to do what I want Him to do. Faith is, getting, is me accessing God's grace so He can get what He wants to and through me. It's accessing His grace so that His purpose can be accomplished in my life. Faith, we said, faith obtains what grace provides. Grace provides a lot of things, but it takes faith to obtain it. All right? So we stand in grace, we stand in favor, and we rejoice in the glory of God. And then it says, and we glory in tribulations. That kind of was, was a buzzkill right there. We rejoice in the glory of God, and we rejoice in tribulation. Really? But he goes on to say, he says it through the tribulations, the patience, the experience, the hope, and not being ashamed. Here's what grace does. Grace doesn't make tribulation go away. Grace empowers you to go through it. As God opens doors, as God does what He's going to do, grace does that. Because God has a plan in that tribulation. He knows how to get you through it. He knows what it's going to do in your life. He didn't send it, but He's going to get you through it. Now this takes us to our text. Here's what the scripture says in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace let's notice first of all it says we have all received it already is there we have already tapped into this thing the bible says in the amplified for out of his fullness his abundance we have all received all had a share, were all supplied with, one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Now that to me is a wonderful, fun passage of Scripture. We looked at this passage the last couple of times we've been together. It's referring to layers of grace. It's talking about one grace after another, one gift after another, Favor after favor. God intends for our lives to be more than just one episode of grace. He intends for it to be favor after favor. Grace after grace. We ought to be going from one layer to another layer of the grace of God. That just excites me all over. So there's more than just the grace to get to heaven. 
There's the grace for healing. There's the grace for recovery. There's the grace for whatever we're facing in life because God provides the grace. We know this. The scripture says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Again, faith is the channel that grace travels and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Grace is how that comes to us. The word saved here does not mean born again. It literally means rescued, delivered, made well, or made whole. It includes born again, but it's talking about rescue. All right, We talked about last week that grace was upon the church. The grace was upon them. We can see in the scripture that grace was upon Jesus as he grew in grace. Luke 2.40 says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus had to have the grace of God on him. He had to have God's favor in his life. The scripture says this in Luke 22, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Isn't that something? The Savior, the Son of God, came to earth as a man and he needed to increase in grace. Now, if he needed to increase in grace, guess what? We need more grace. We need to increase in favor. The word favor and the word grace are the same word in the Greek New Testament. We need to increase in grace. Now think about that. Jesus came from heaven to earth. As a man, he needed to increase in grace. That's because Jesus operated as a man. All right, the word increase means to drive forward, advance, or grow. We need to be driving forward in grace, not backward. We didn't just get grace to get born again. We got grace for all kinds of things in our lives. I mean, we had it took grace to get here tonight. Y'all have driven in love before. You know what I'm talking about. It takes the favor of God. That was a joke. Just you didn't respond. <laughs> we saw last time in Psalm 5 that we are encircled by a force field of grace. It, it encircles us. And we, did, we talked about that last week. So tonight I want to look at a little more about grace. I love this subject. Most people today would define the word grace if you if you just went in the street and you said, What do you what what is grace? You know, you can get the Baptist definition of grace, you're gonna get the Catholic definition of grace, but overall the definition of grace is something like this. It's God's unearned kindness toward us in forgiving us of our sins. That's a pretty good definition. Except it doesn't really define grace. Because grace is not about my past. And we'll talk about that as we go. Grace is about my present and my future. Mercy is about my past, and we'll see that. The word for grace, the Greek word is charis, and it means favor. When I was in the Baptist church, they told me it meant unmerited favor. That's a great definition for the word grace. It's God's favor that we did not earn. Now let's read this verse of scripture. This I like this one. Acts 30, 20, verse 32. It says, Now, brethren, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now think about that. The word of his grace is able. The, the word for word is logos here which means not just the spoken word, but the thought. The word, 
that what God says and thinks about favor is able. Is able. What the Bible says about grace contains supernatural power. When it says the word of his grace which is able. The word able here, the Greek word is dunamai. It's akin to the word dunamis. Dunamis literally means a miracle or miracle power. So what this is saying is, is that God's word about his favor contains supernatural miracle power to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That's a powerful verse. The word of God's grace has supernatural power. When you're down, when you're feeling low, when you feel like you can't make it, you need to go to God's word about his grace and the scripture says it contains the supernatural power to build you up. The word of God's grace is like Popeye eating the spinach. And all of a sudden now you can withstand and take on whatever it is. Grace is not just some ethereal thing out there that that just floats around and lands on certain ones. Grace is accessible by faith to anyone who will believe what God has said. And that supernatural power causes us to be built up in the spirit. And when the devil comes, God's grace comes. Because where sin abounds, there does grace much more abound. I mean, you have the ability to withstand and and it has supernatural power to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Now, what was that even talking about? That means you have access to all that God's word has promised every believer. Man, it has supernatural power. Grace has miracle power. I mean, grace, all the saints, have. Had, you, you can read books about saints and miracles that have happened to them. Well, guess what? Through the word of his grace, there's supernatural power for you as well. My, my, that's really good. We need to understand something. Grace is from God. Can't manufacture it. Now, we can find it. And we're supposed to find it. But we can't earn it. We can't make it happen. It's from God. Apart from God, there is no grace. It's really all about Him. Grace isn't up to me. It's up to Jesus. We've read a minute ago that Jesus is full of grace. He's full of favor. So grace comes to me and to you out of what He's full of. Grace is his free gift, but we must find it. We can't earn it. We've read lots of scriptures over the last two weeks how that Noah found grace, how that Moses found grace, how that Mary found grace. It's, we, we, we can find it, and we know the avenue of finding grace is through that channel of faith as we believe what God has said. We simply believe him, and we find it. We find what it is. We can't earn it. We know the scripture says that, that we've been saved by grace through faith. We know that. The Bible says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Faith has this channel of grace because it's from God. Just like every saint 
throughout history has had access to God's grace. You and I have access to it. And as we hear the word of, of, of faith, the word of grace, and we access faith into that, there's supernatural power released to us. Now that makes me just want to have a party. We can tap into his grace. And that grace, the word of his grace, is supernatural in scope. See, what we've been taught for many years, I'm not mad at anybody, but we've been taught is that there's grace for you to get born again and then good luck. Hang on till Jesus comes back or till you die. If grace was only about getting to heaven, when we baptize them, we just need to hold them under a little longer and then go right on to heaven. But the grace of God empowers us. He, listen, it opens doors that nobody can close. The grace of God... I mean, when it's on you, they're shaking their head no, and they're saying, yes, of course you can have it. Because it's His grace, His favor in our lives. Because He wants to get His purpose done through you and to you. You see, that's what God wants. He has a desire for all that to happen. If we ever come to this place where we feel like that we ought to have received something from God based on our performance... We're not in grace anymore. I mean, it, sometimes, you know, you pray for an hour and you think, okay, now, God, you owe me something. Listen, he doesn't owe you anything. He already paid for everything. I owe him everything. I owe him everything. The Apostle Paul spoke about the righteousness of faith, the righteousness that comes not from ourselves, but by the grace of God as we believe what the gospel has promised us. It's not about what I can do. It's about what God has already done. Last time, we talked about how that Moses, he went and he was praying, and he says, God, if, he said, I found grace in your sight. And if I found grace in your sight, you go with us. See, because God was saying, if I go with you, I'm going to kill you. And Moses said, oh, please, if you're not going to go, we don't want to go. If I found grace in your sight, you go with us that I might find grace in your sight. And the presence of God went with him. So the grace of God is connected to the presence of God. It's always connected to his presence. Listen, when you walk in God's grace, his presence is there. Remember when you got born again? God's presence was there. That's how you knew it. You knew, because his presence and his grace are always connected to one another. Then we, we talked last time, as we talked about that, about how that in Acts chapter 13, it says, As they ministered to the Lord, the Lord said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the, for the ministry I've called them to. As they ministered to the Lord. We talked about that for just a minute. As they ministered to the Lord, God said. See, grace and his presence are always together. His presence came and said that. Then we looked at Acts chapter 3. Verse 19, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Let me redefine these words for you. When it says repent, it's talking about changing your mind, change the way you think, because that's what repentance is. Change the way you think, therefore, and be converted means to be returned or come back. Change the way you think and come back. And the word that literally means with a view to the fact. With a view to the fact your sins have been blotted out, the word when means so that, so that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. So we're talking about his presence 
And there's always grace where his presence is. We need to think right. We need to be mindful of the fact that our sins are blotted out. The devil is a great deceiver and he will begin to remind you how bad you are all the time. Most Christians that I know are very sin conscious. And yet the scripture says we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We need to be righteousness conscious. When the devil comes and says, you are so bad, you need to be saying, no, 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 the blood of Jesus has made me righteous. You are so bad. No, 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 no. My plea today is Jesus' blood because it has made me righteous before my Father and He's the judge. We need to have that kind of mindset. And when you begin to think that way, guess what? Your behavior lines up with it. And you don't have to make yourself do things. It's just a thing you're going to do because you, you, it's the way you're thinking. So we talked about that, 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 that His presence brings refreshing. That means revival. This is talking about grace. Now that brought me this week to think about this. This really has nothing to do with the rest of my sermon, but I just want to teach. I will say it to you. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 40 says this. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. That's kind of good news. God is never going to say to you when you come to Him, I'm tired right now. I need somebody to come in and stand in for me. No, He never gets tired. He never sleeps. It says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men will utterly fall. But, I love that but right there. Remember, but just canceled everything right before it. But, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This is talking about ministering to the Lord. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on the Lord. Have you ever seen or heard of, you know, fighter jets, they go out and they fight. And and those fighter jets can't carry a lot of fuel because uh, uh, they have to be light and fast. And then they have that bigger plane that's the, kind of the tanker plane that they can go and they can refuel. And they go and they get under that plane and then they lower the deal and it fills them up with gas and then they pull it up and they can take off again. Think about this picture. They come and they come into the presence of the tanker plane and they wait and they get full and then they can go back into battle. That's kind of the picture here. This is the application of finding grace. We come into the presence of the Lord. We wait on Him to fill us again. And then we go back in the battle. We don't have to land every time. We don't have to go and go and go till we run out. That's not very wise. We come back. We refuel. We wait in His presence. And there's grace, supernatural grace that comes in his presence. Man, I, really, that, I, I, mean, I just added that to the message today because I thought that was good. Amen. Grace, his presence, all that's important. 
The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Isn't that interesting? The throne is a throne of grace. Not a throne of perfection. Because we couldn't get there. It's a throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That tells me that grace does something. Doesn't just sit there. It does something. It says we can come boldly. The word boldly means to have freedom of speech. It's, it's a person who speaks his mind with great confidence. What it's talking about is we can approach the Lord and we can have great confidence in the blood of Jesus while we stand in his presence knowing that his great mercy has wiped out our sins once and for all and so we can stand before the Father and the King forever. We can come boldly. It doesn't mean arrogantly. It means boldly. We can be confident that the blood has done its job. We come before the throne. The word throne, it literally means a stately seat from which power is sent. A throne is the place that the king sits, sits and he, he, he makes proclamation and he sends forth his power. Okay? In this case, it is the supernatural power of God that goes out. Right? The throne of grace. We said that means favor. The throne of grace. So that we can obtain, the word obtain, just means to seize, to lay hold of something, to make it your very own, to grab, to capture, or take possession of something. So we can seize mercy. Mercy's been given. It's at the throne of grace. Mercy is God's compassion that provides clemency because of the paid price in Jesus' blood. Again, mercy is different than grace. Mercy deals with my past. What I have done. The blood of Jesus provides mercy for my past. All of my sin has been erased by mercy. My sins have been blotted out. Grace, on the other hand, has to do with the present and the future. It's God moving in my life to open doors, to make things happen, preparing me the way that I should go for where I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to do. Mercy has to do with sin. Grace has to do with my path. Grace is different than mercy. Grace is this path. God opens the way for me. Helps me to see where I'm supposed to go. I love what it says. It says so that we can find grace. This is, this is a fun word. The word in the Greek is eurisko. Eurisko. It means it, 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 to find, it, it points to a discovery that is made due to intense investigation. Found based on scientific study or scholarly research, there's nothing left to chance in this, in this kind of investigation. We find it. And we know for sure we found it. We get the English word eureka from that word. What it, what, it's like eureka. I found grace. I found it. It says that we can find grace to help in time. The word time means well-timed, timely, opportune. Here's my favorite word in this whole passage. That we can find grace to help in time of need. The word help means to aid. But specifically it's talking about a rope or a chain that's used for frapping a vessel. It's used one other time in the scripture. It's used in Acts 27, 17. Here's what it says. And when they, had taken, when they had taken up, they used helps, same word, 
undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall in the quicksands, strike sail, and were so driven. Helps. What that helps means it has to do with ropes that are being wound round and round and round the ship so it stays together in the storm. Let me just read the verse the the way I just explained it. We can come with great confidence and all outspokenness to the origin of God's power and lay hold and possess mercy and find favor that will hold us together in the midst of the storm. Grace holds you together. Grace has tremendous power and force. It holds you together. The word help also has a, has a military definition. It's a term that depicts when a soldier hears that his fellow soldier is in battle or captured or struggling. Once he hears it, man, he, he, he goes into battle to fight for the safety of his fellow soldier. He spares no effort to deliver his comrade. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus and his willingness to fight for us on our behalf. That's what favor does. It fights for us. That is really something. God in his throne of favor there is grace to hold me together you ever feel like you're going to fall apart go to the throne get the grace that holds you together the apostle paul said in 1 corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 he says but by the grace of god i am what i am And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul understood favor. He understood it was God's favor that opened the doors for him. He understood it was God. Somebody somebody might say, well, it doesn't sound like it. I mean, wasn't he beaten a lot of times? It was God's favor that held him together. It was God's favor that raised him up. It was God's favor that continued to build in him the confidence that he could stand before kings and, and before, before rulers and to say, this Jesus. And he began to proclaim Jesus to him. He understood it was favor. Apart from the favor of God, he wouldn't have been able to do anything that he did. It was God's favor. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Listen, it's not you. It's not me. It's the grace of God. It's that grace, His favor, that does the impossible. It's His grace. Oh, man. Now think about this. I know it's 8.30 already, but we're going to move on just a little further. We said Jesus increased in favor, that the church in Acts had great grace. How can we get great grace? How How can we gather more grace? Well, think about this. The scripture says in Psalm 89, verse 17, For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor, grace, our horn shall be exalted. We know that it's always God's idea to give us favor. We don't have to talk him into grace. I mean, he's ready. He, it's, it's there. It's ours. The complete Jewish Bible reads this verse this way. It says, For you yourself are strength in which they glory. Now listen to this part. Our power or our favor grows by pleasing you. Our favor grows as we please God. Grace grows in our lives. We're not earning it. We're living by faith. 
We're having fellowship with God. And it, in that, He is pleased. I love the verse that says in Proverbs 16, 7, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Notice, it didn't say you won't have any enemies. It just said they'll be at peace with him. They'll be too busy with everything else to do anything with you. They'll be too busy. The Lord makes them too busy. It happens as we please Him. Psalm 41 says this in verses 10 and 11. But Thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me and raise me up that I may requite them. By this I know that Thou favorest me or give me grace because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. Every time you win, you know it's grace that did the job. You know it's God's favor that gave you the victory. Ecclesiastes 7.26 says, And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken from her. Grace, God's favor, causes us to escape. His favor. It's so supernatural in its scope. Pleasing God is the key to walking in favor. Pleasing God, ministering to Him, being with Him. God always provides a way of escape. Think about this. We said Jesus was increasing in favor. When He was baptized, the Scripture says, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I want you to think about this. When Jesus was preaching more than one time, it says they were going to kill Him. Remember, he was, at, he was at his hometown in, in Nazareth. They took him to a cliff, and they were going to throw him off the cliff. And he just walked through the middle of them and got out. They were going to stone him to death there, but he just got out. Two or three other times, they were going to kill Jesus. And they couldn't do it because Jesus pleased the Father. Every time it said of Jesus, his time was not yet. And they couldn't do anything to him because the favor of God was all over him. God's grace was all over him. It finally came time for him to give his life away. And that's what he did. He gave his life away. They didn't take it. But he, listen, he had to make this choice to give his life away or they would have never touched him. Because God's favor was all over him. God's grace was all over him. You think, well, yeah, but that wasn't God's favor. Those people were mad at him. The Pharisees were mad at him all the time. No, no, God's favor was on him because they couldn't touch him. And they wanted to. They looked for a way, and not until Jesus gave them the freedom to do that. This is what I know. Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. Always. Pleasing God is a matter of our will. Jesus said, I do that. I do that. Because I want to please him. Even in the garden of, 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 of Gethsemane. He said not my will. Your will. Not what I want to do. What you want to do. Because it was a matter of his will. We need to understand. We can walk in supernatural grace. We have access. To the throne. Of his grace. We can boldly. Come before the throne of his grace. The more we please Him with fellowship. Listen, He likes nothing better than to fellowship with us. The more we fellowship with Him, the more we minister to Him, grace, it's just like, it just drips off of Him onto us. He wants us to walk in His grace. Pleasing God 
brings favor and grace. More of it. We can do anything he assigns us to do. Anything. As we live and operate in his grace by faith. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we have access to grace by faith. I thank you that there's this throne of your grace. Oh, Father, that we can boldly come before, obtaining mercy, finding grace in time of need. Lord, we give you great thanks and great honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.